welcome back to the Project 99 podcast. It is September 3rd, 2021. Days keep going. September 3rd. Time never stops. Screaming inside my own mind. <laughs> Wake me up when this September ends, right? Is that the song? That's the song. Billy Joe Armstrong. All right. Coming up on September 11th, so... What were you doing? The on twenty September year anniversary. Oh, you want to hear my September? Oh yeah, we hear your September eleven story. Okay, I was uh, a senior in high school, and uh, I was in. Um, I'm gonna say his real name. Let's say Coach Johnson's uh, substance abuse class. It was a health class substance abuse, and we see the second plane hit the tower, and we're all just kind of shocked. And this girl next to me, she's crying, and she screams, "Coach Johnson, who could who could have did such a thing?" And Coach Johnson turns around and says, probably somebody on drugs. <laughs> oh, my Dead God. That's serious. And I was like, whoa, what the? Perfect opportunity was, Yeah. I was like, what? Do you have this plan? What's part of your <laughs> lessons plan? And then I realized, Coach Johnson is Taliban. <laughs> no, sorry. But no, that's when he really, really said that. And I was like, I stopped. And I was like, wait a second. What? Hold up. Do you believe it? <laughs> but yeah, that's what I was doing. I was, I was Yeah. The drug class. of extremism. I was in kindergarten when 9-11 happened. And I don't like, remember anything about it other than we got to go home really from school. <laughs> and it was all over the TV. And I think we saw Grandma Patty that day. Or maybe the next day. I feel well, like I remember her being really frantic about it for some reason. That's part of my memory of 9-11. But yeah, I have basically no memory of it. They didn't turn it on. I mean, we were like five years old. Apparently my older brother, who was in the two or three grades above me, they he was in fourth grade when I was mm-hmm. in kindergarten, and they did turn on the TVs and watched it in his fourth grade class, but they didn't do that because we were fucking five years old, so. I, remember, I, was, I was pretty sad. Like, I was pretty upset. Like, you know, I cried a little bit by myself when nobody was looking. <laughs> um, but I remember having this idea, like, not knowing what was next. Mm-hmm. And when I saw the, the, I remember thinking, watching the, the towers on smoke, and I'm like, I wonder if those things could fall. I wonder if those things, like, can they collapse? And then one collapses, and you're like, holy fuck, they can collapse. Mm-hmm. And the second one collapses, and automatically, I think, like, 10,000 people were dead. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even think anybody gets out of there. And luckily, it wasn't, it was a lot less than 10,000. Yeah, what was the total death toll? 3, like, two, 3,000? Yeah. yeah. Which I always feel like people think I'm heartless when I say that, because I'm like, oh, only 3,000? But it's just like, when you look at the scope of a lot of other things, I mean, sometimes, even just natural disasters. I mean, how many people died when Hurricane Katrina happened? I think there, I think there were like sixteen hundred, thirteen hundred, like so. I mean, but like, how about scary. how about over over in uh, Sumatra when that tsunami, like oh, that man. was, uh, was wow. December twenty sixth, and it killed like a hundred thousand people. That tsunami. Wow. But I thought I saw ten thousand people gone. Like you see yeah, that, and you're like, wild. oh, I don't know how many people got out, but. And it gives you like a different perspective for the people in Japan having survived, survived, you know, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They killed like 150,000 people, you know. Civilians, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, you know, that puts a different perspective on that. But Yeah, I feel like I really don't remember a lot about 9-11 other than the fact that I'm absolutely sure that it shaped, um, you know, the, the following years of my life. I think the first time I remember watching the video of the people falling out of the plane, I was in like third grade. Yeah. The first time I you saw that. You falling out, jumping out of the or, building? Ju- you're out of the... Mm-hmm building i mean yeah. yeah people jumping out of the building and i'm I, I don't know i even think about that too I, I joked about it on one of the podcasts that like you know 
older people always say they don't know what the problem with the millennial generation is like we all have some kind of mental illness anxiety depression something i'm like well we've been we you know we've been seeing this repeated violence over and over again and happened in our own country that we saw on Mm -hmm. tv from the time that we were in fucking kindergarten until now Mm -hmm. so i mean like maybe that maybe that's part of it i I mean i don't know well i think too it's you know it's it sounds crazy to say this but like people that live in actual war zones kids that go to school in palestine and you know uh syria and different places you know they they it's almost like that that insane insanity becomes their normal so like you know hearing gunfire on your way to school just becomes like a thing to them but in the united states we're so shielded from everything that it's almost like you're always in a state of fear of what's gonna happen but because it doesn't actually materialize you don't get the experience of knowing that you can survive that. Right. We've not had something happen to us that we're like, man, that happened to me, but I survived it. So we don't have the confidence to know if some bad shit happens, we we can survive it. We don't we don't have that. We just have the constant fear mongering of the media telling us something horrible is going to happen, and you don't have anything. You're not going to be able to do anything about it. See, it drives me crazy when the the media talks about mostly politicians whenever there's a shooting or something. They ask like, "Oh, is violence is violent video games? How does that affect the mind?" And I mean, there's children across the country, the globe that are dealing with real world violence every single day. Yeah, not like Call of Duty, like the real stuff, and nobody really questions how that affects the mind and how it affects their upbringings over the next 20, 30 years. Like the kids in Iraq, how like this, you know, how are they going to be in like ten years? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so on nine eleven, I uh, had to work that day. Darn. Go ahead. So uh, on nine eleven, I had to work. Your dad and I both worked at the same place at that time. So we were leaving Moundsville on our way to Wheeling, and we had picked up a prescription for my mom. And so we stopped for me to drop it off. And when I ran it up to her, she was watching um, after the first plane had struck. And while I was standing there with her, the second one struck the building, and I was like. What the, what's going on? So I go back to the car and we turn on the radio. And of course, then we're hearing all this that, you know, there's two planes now. So it's suspected it's terrorism. So in the 10 minute ride from there to Wheeling, uh, it was a realization of our mind that we had been attacked in some way. So we walked into work and everybody who was there had no idea that anything had happened in the world. Yeah. And it was the strangest feeling of being like a veil between my reality and oh, their reality. Oh, fuck. I hate those moments, man. And I it's almost so didn't want to tell them what happened because they were still living in a world where it hadn't happened. Maybe it'll go away. Yeah. I think, uh, well, my story is kind of a lie because we didn't see this. I, I didn't see the second plane hit. We were watching the replays. and uh, But I heard about it because I had a broken leg, so I took the elevator. And this young, weird little freshman kid hopped on the elevator with me. I was like, sure, buddy. Come, you know, let's ride and he's like, "Oh yeah, planes hit the twin, like the, the World Trade Center." Um, and I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, the uh, planes hit the World Trade Center." And I'm like, "You know, those are two different buildings, right?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "And a plane hit both buildings." He's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay, buddy, you're a little weird fellow, aren't you?" And like, made no fucking sense to me. I was like, "What? A plane hit? You know, like there's two buildings. There's no way <laughs> one a plane, plane hit, hit yeah. both of them." And yeah. he's like, "Yeah, that's what happened." And I'm like. Okay, <laughs> all right, little man. Catch you later, buddy. Yeah. So then after we got to work, we everybody was glued to the radio once we told everybody what happened. Everybody turned on the radios, and we were just kind of like, you know, listening and wondering. And, and it's, it surprised me, always having been political my whole life, to hear people in the 
office that shared a life with me every day say, why would anyone want to attack America? And I'm like, are you, oh, are you fucking serious? <laughs> are you serious? And I'm like, oh, no, they really don't fucking know. They've been raised on propaganda. They have no idea the bad things that America's mm-hmm. done all over the world. They, don't, they just don't know. They're like children right now. So um, when the plane, when we heard about the plane that went down in, uh, well, the plane hit the Pentagon, and then when the plane went down in PA, we had no idea how many other planes and bombs and whatever else were going to happen. And there was all these reports all over the radio of these uh, truck bombs being found and all this stuff going on. So I was like, dude, I got to go. I need to get my kids out of school. So I left work and went home and picked you up at school, and we went home, and um, they said they had grounded all the planes at some point. After that, yeah. they grounded all First the planes. Week, right? And I walked outside, and I looked up at the sky, and it was the most perfect, beautiful, sunny day. And the sky was bluer than it normally is in hazy, gray West Virginia. And it was so odd to see no plane streaks in the sky. And it was like that for days. I remember the big thing the day after was people saw a plane in the sky, and everybody seemed to was Air Force One. And that's how like, people were excited. They were like, oh, my goodness, we saw and we we're assuming Air Force One fly over because there's no other planes out right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I went for some reason like college ca- classes and everything else like rolled on because I went to Northern to my night class, and when I came home right there in Glendale after you come out of, out of the Narrows that gas station there used to be one on either side now one side's like a Gumby's or something but there was two gas stations there and um like cars were just like entirely blocking the highway and i'm like what's going on is there a bad accident or something people panicked over gas because of the middle east and because saddam you know saddam hussein always said if we did anything over there that he was going to blow up the oil fields no we we weren't even we weren't attacking him yet we were just talking about going to get the terrorists in afghanistan but still bush had been threatening saddam about letting weapons inspectors in so there was all this fear that gas prices were going to be like $20 $20 a gallon and shit. So all these people were there. Like, and it, that was a scary moment for me because I'm like, this is human behavior gone out of yeah. control. Right, yeah. well, the people first are day, scared, and that makes me worry yeah. because when people get scared, they're dangerous. There were some gas stations that threw the prices up really high. So yeah, I mean, gouged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like $4 a gallon. There was like pictures up, and the government had to crack down on that yeah. within 24 hours and say, guys, there's been no cha- like change yeah, in price of oil. Right move it back or there's gonna be some heavy prosecution here mm-hmm. that's wild yeah i don't really have a lot about it because i was so little i don't really remember a lot about it i had an uncle in, t- in town well uncle from germany visiting us he didn't speak so much english he had a young he had, oh, he had his um lady with him and uh they had to be they had to stay for another week they weren't even in town when it happened they were like traveling to around dc and in pennsylvania just traveling and they were like oh crap how are we gonna get home it was inter- like the first time I ever actually yeah. interacted with him, met him, um, because I don't know my family in Germany that well. And I remember just him walking around the house, smoking a cigarette in his like tidy whities like it was nothing. And I'm like, oh, European, I guess. You know, he's just like, <laughs> Europeans. In the morning, he's just like, hey, German, how you doing? And I'm like, hey, just... we wear pants in this country. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit Come of on, modesty. Man. Yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah, that's funny as hell. And when the train bombings happened in Spain, I was in um, Italy, and I remember, you know my grandmother freaking out because she couldn't get a hold of me and you know 
I was like, it's another country. <laughs> like, Europe is not, we're not, it's, we're not anywhere near that. <laughs> when I finally got a chance to call, I was like, yeah, no, we're not anywhere near that. Yeah. Well, that's the, uh, people were getting pulled from school. Like, people were calling their parents, mm-hmm. and parents were coming to school. Mm-hmm. And a few hundred kids probably left school that day, high school. And I remember my younger brother called my dad up, and he was like, Dad, can you come pick us up? And my dad was like, why? <laughs> and he's like, aren't you watching the news? And he was like, uh, yeah. Yeah, what do you mean to pick you up for? He's like, well, what am I going to do about this? He was like, what do, you, what do you expect me to do? Like, no, go back to class. You're, you're going to be fine. And I looked at Lou and I'm like, told you he was going to pick, pick us up. I was like, it's just an attack. What? It happens sometimes. Suck it up. And I'm like, okay, man. Yeah, good point. But I think the whole country kind of went through an experience where, you know, some people who were aware of the nefarious things that the United States has done over the past, oh, you know, 40, 50 years, um, as you were saying. Like, oh, the chickens have come to roost. And and I remembered seeing a a magazine in the gas station in Moundsville, the one right there, Smith Oil now, but it used to be something else. But anyways, um, I stopped in there. used to be gassed. Gas, that's right. Gas mm. newsstand. Yes. And I stopped in there and they had some magazine and it had a cover. And the, on the, the front of the magazine was a um, a Jewish boy, a little Jewish boy, a bunch of Jewish kids, but a Jewish boy kicking a Palestinian old lady who was walking down the street. Damn. And I was like shocked that we showed something that was pro pal, you know, that was, you know, Anti-Zionist. Yeah, that was anti-Zionist. It showed Jewish people being hostile to a Palestinian woman. I was like, dang, like that's crazy. And that was like in June. It was like somewhere around June. And your dad and I were talking about it. And I'm like, you know, it's really like something's changing because that stuff never would have been on the media, like around whatever. And I guess kept thinking, when is this shit going to blow up? And like, you know, then all of this stuff, and I was on research in college about Palestine and all that stuff. And then when September 11th happened, I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> I remember, like, first time I heard about Bin Laden was a few years before that. Weird kid. I was watching 60 Minutes for some reason. And it was disgusting. We, like, tried to bomb him. It was a country in Africa we thought he was at. And it right, ended up right. just being a milk formula factory. We thought it was a weapons factory. And it ended up being, like... Um, baby formula. Oh, that you mean Saddam? No, no, no. This was no. Be- yeah, this was a, a attack on Al Qaeda. We thought it was Al Qaeda. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, he's gonna come back and you know he's gonna try to get hit back at us. This was soon after the uh, bombing at the embassy. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There was two, two in Africa. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Clinton hit him back. Remember you? We talked about this because I was. You said you thought it was an aspirin factory or something. Yeah, yeah, it might yeah, have been yeah. aspirin. Yeah, because they was, said he was distracting from Monica Lewinsky scandal yeah. that he did that. And I thought it was, was it aspirin or baby form. It was one of those two. Yes. Yeah, so um, they said it was not. And I was like, oh, this guy's gonna want revenge. And like, I'm like ninth grade, and I'm like, oh no. Didn't think anything of it. Then I heard the name again, and I'm like, that's the guy from years ago. Oh my goodness, he's back. Mm-hmm. Well, and then when people found out that, you know, when Russia invaded Afghanistan, we we uh, encouraged the Mujahideen to fight them, that we actually, you know, kind of helped to train them. And Osama bin Laden was there. Well, the CIA operative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, He's on the payroll. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that at that point in time was kind of like, you know, when Vietnam happened, there were people who knew the backstory of a lot of things that the United States had done. And it was kind of like, the country had that split between conservatives and liberals. And then that happened again on 9-11 because people were like, you know, you don't want to acknowledge the United States does things sometimes that, you know, makes that people hate not. us. And they were like, how dare you bring that up? You're not a patriot. Right. Yeah, yeah. that was, it was definitely a very polarizing time. Not yeah. a polarizing. There was one side 
there was one side and there was no other side. If there was another side, you were a traitor. Right. Right. And uh, I remember posting a, a article about the Taliban being like, hey, we'll give you bin Laden. Just give us the proof you have and we'll hand him over. Can you just stop bombing us? And I remember the, 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 the emotion at the time. No, we were going to give revenge no matter what. Yeah, we don't negotiate with terrorists. And we, the only mindset America had at the time, and we still have, is conventional warfare. Mm-hmm. The idea of them handing, handing over this terrorist and a few of his men wasn't going to satisfy the American feeling at the right. time. Yep, yep, yep. Absolutely. Right. We, need, like, we didn't understand anything but outside of war. Like this idea that a small group did it. And the Taliban could have, you know... They could have brought him in if they. I, I assume they they could have brought him in if it meant us not invading. Right, right. But that wasn't good enough for us at the time. The only thing I that I always remember when we talk about this topic because because I was a kid when it happened is that I I remember when I was like thirteen or fourteen I don't know Maya Christina was dating this guy named Brad and he was a super funny guy but he was kind of simple and when we went to my cousin Tyler's graduation from a military school we had to drive like an hour to get there and we got a flat tire on the way. And we got out of the car and we were like, what happened? Like, what happened to the tire? Blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I don't know. Probably Al-Qaeda. <laughs> and I, every time I talk about it, that's all I think about it. So I'm like, this, this man, just everything. Everything bad that happened, he yeah. was like, probably Al-Qaeda. Yeah, and like people got heated talking about, you know, in really racial ways about, uh, you know, any Arab person is a raghead and we got to go murder them all. Yeah. And I mean, it went crazy. It was there really was bad. maybe one visible um, Arabic kid in our school. I remember just being on a bus for a football game. And these kids back there, like there was guys in the back being like, oh, yeah, I heard that he said, you know, when it's his turn, he's going to do a lot worse. And they were just talking so much shit on him. And he was getting like a lot of flack from everybody in school. I remember being like, what the fuck, guys? No, he did not say that. Fuck you. Yeah, like, leave right. the fucking kid alone. He's like a sophomore. Like a, a little weird fucking kid. His name is fucking Muhammad, too. Mm-hmm. Fucking oh, hey. man. And I was like, get Rough the fuck. Time. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Like, mm-hmm. you guys are fucking smart people. He's not a fucking terrorist. Get the fuck out of here. That's awful. I used, that, That's when I had my early radio days of calling into, uh, uh, what was it? What was it? Jeez, oh, I can't remember his name now. But he had a local radio show on George, uh, uh, don't look at me. I was a child. George Kellis? <laughs> George Kellis. Yes, yes. George Kellis. And uh, people would call in and say these really, like, racist things about, you know, this. they started a religious war and all this stuff. And we, we should go over there and be another. And so I would, like, call in and, like, argue. And his, Bert, Bert Faroli, I think, was his, his co, co-partner on the show. And, uh, you know, I'd always call in and argue with him about these things he would say. And so... Uh, a couple of years later, your dad worked with somebody who knew George Kellis. I guess Bert Froley was leaving the show, and he wanted to know if I wanted to go into radio and be on the show. And you I was like, "Done it." I was like, "It wouldn't work though," because I always argued with the Froley oh, guy. Yeah. George being, and I were usually just be an on the echo same, chamber. Yeah, so it wouldn't well, work. I guess um, moving on to our uh, topics here, the one thing that I wanted to address before we got into talking about Afghanistan was that I feel like whenever the topic comes up, people always ask, "How did we end up in Iraq if we?" You know, we're going into Afghanistan to fight, you know, the Taliban and the terrorists and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it basically just boils down to that the administration at the time used the fear of the war on terror to, to make up weapons of mass destruction because we wanted right. to go into Iraq anyway. Yeah. That, that was a total sham. We yeah. know the weapons of mass destruction was fucking nonsense. We made that shit up. Um, but basically how they relate is we actually did get attacked. So there was a fear of terrorism and we used the fear. We, had, get in there. we That's had blinders about it. on. We had blinders on. And Iraq was a foregone conclusion. We knew we were going. Oh, for sure. Like I got signed up for the military. The uh, 
November before. Mm-hmm. And the recruiters and every sergeant I talked to didn't like um, split hairs. They were like, oh, yeah, we're going into Iraq um, within four or five months. So before you sign this contract, just know that we are definitely going yeah, into Iraq. Right. Like, there's no question about right. it. And I was like, okay, cool. And part of me was like, okay, I believe everything you guys say. Yeah, like, oh, there's weapons? Okay. And the American mentality was still like, hey, we have to use our conventional warfare and stamp out everything. Mm-hmm. I remember three weeks after the invasion and watching The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, which was fucking great back mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. And they were doing this joke like, oh, you know, there's no weapon. There's no weapons here just despite us. You have to understand the Iraqi, you know, sense of humor here. There's no weapons because they don't like us. And it's just like, holy fuck. It clicked to me. I was like, there aren't any weapons. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. And that, um, uh, that was like freshman in college. Mm-hmm. That changes you forever mm-hmm. when you realize, the holy shit. Lied to you. We just invaded. And I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, we'll be out within a year. I don't know why I thought that because I was 18. I didn't know how this shit worked. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was rough. It was rough. I, ca- I became um, probably a bit more liberal after that or, you know, questioning of the government or this, sure. at least this uh, cabal of, of neoconservatives that were mm-hmm. in power at the definitely, time. Definitely, definitely. So then I guess I'll hand it over to you, Mick, because you brought up a lot of really good questions last week that we were going to address this week um, to kind of get some facts into the conversation about Afghanistan and us leaving? Well, one of the things we talked about was, you know, what the fuck happened to the Afghan security forces? Because everybody's like, well, they folded up in two weeks. That was my question, too. Like, we spent 20 years training these people. Did they even want to fight? And there was a lot of that sentiment going around on the media. Um, And uh, this week in the New York Times, there's an article by a three-star general um, of the Iraqi forces who says that... um, you know, there were several reasons uh, that that this collapse happened so fast. Um, one of the things he says is the reason is because uh, when Donald Trump was president, he made a peace deal with the Taliban and basically put an expiration date on U.S. involvement in Afghanistan. And, you know, that had been a thing ever since Obama was president. Like, if you're going to withdraw, you can't put a date on it. Because if you put a date on it, it's like they start making plans for as soon as you're the fuck out of there, what they're going to do. But if you if it's like you don't ever know when, then, you know, but I mean, realistically speaking, you can see things. It's not like these, they we're in their country. It's not like they're blind. If they see stuff starting to leave, starting to move. They're going to figure it out. That's kind of what happened, though. Because we said we were going to be out by September. We were like, September 11th. And we left like two months before. And they were like, oh, shit, they're gone. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Right. So, um, but he talks about that and says that, um, second, that they lost uh, contractor logistics and maintenance support critical to combat operations. So what those kind of things are, are like mechanics who work on helicopters and heavy, uh, you know, MRAPs and, you know, all those people... The equipment, a lot of our equipment is sensitive equipment. So even if we have another country and we're in there, um, we don't want to hire local people to work on our equipment because they learn certain things that if we end up at war with them, we don't want them to know it, right? So even like in Vietnam, we didn't have enough um, helicopter mechanics. So we, we were like trying to get some from like France and different places, but it was like, well, we have to screen these people because we don't want them, you know what I mean? So when, you, when you're when you talking about logistical support, it's a lot of things like that. Plus, 
um, you know, he says that they were trained um, basically in the style of warfare that the United States engages in, which is highly technical, uses a lot of satellite communications, you know, uh, drone strikes, uh, different, um, you know, reconnaissance techniques that the Taliban don't have. So 20 years of us being there, yeah, we trained them, but we trained them to fight with the equipment we use. And our, one of our questions last week was like, would, when, we, when we left, did we like roll up the sidewalks? Did we take all the guns? Did we take everything? Um, and apparently we started taking away the higher technical support way before this eventual pullout. So they could see the writing on the wall. Like we're basically going to end up when the United States leaves, we're going to be on even par with the Taliban. Now, when I kind of researched how many people were in the Afghan military, it says that at one time they reached a level of like 300,000. But as the corruption in the government, the higher levels of government that's gone on for 20 years over there continued, people lost interest in supporting the military. So they, there was a drop to like 160,000, I think it said in like 2010 or something. So there was like waxing and waning of the amount of people that was in support. And basically, you know, when they saw that we were taking all the high level equipment and they knew it was just going to be down to guerrilla war fighting between them and the Taliban. Yeah. Some of them did surrender because they were like, we have nothing to fight with now. I mean, you have guns, but if you don't have anyone there to serve, you know, if you have no vehicles, who's feeding these people, you know, private contractors are brought in sometimes to, um, you know, the whole food chain of the army sometimes is replaced by private contractors. Well, what happens when those people, when Biden says, hey, we're pulling out, you think them private people is going to stay there and be at risk without someone to defend their lives? Well, so those people start to leave. So basically, if we left them defenseless in a lot of ways, we can't be surprised that they folded up like they did. And Biden is full of shit. If he's saying that we had no idea, everyone's so surprised that the Taliban took over well, in two I don't weeks. Well, I don't know why Biden said that. Why would you be surprised? That. Are you an idiot? But I know that General Milley said that, which is what shocked me, is that he said they had a lot of contingency plans, but there was just nothing that predicted that, that it was going to fall. That fast. I think fast. we all knew it was going to happen. Um, which, which shocks me, because on a general census, I feel like uh, I believe General Milley in a lot of things he says. So, I, I don't know. I guess that was kind of like a... A shock to me because I'm like, what do you mean you didn't know? I think it was a bit insincere. Like, we don't want to like take all our weapons out and be like, hey, we are just totally giving up on this. We want to be like, hey, no, it's up to you. Like, we did our best. It's up to you. It's now. hard to, it's, yeah, it's hard to look at somebody in the eye and be like, we're giving up on you. Right. And this, in this and article, he talks about how devastating it was when the president of Afghanistan fled the country, right? Your fucking leader, your right. commander in chief flees the country. And he says the Trump-Taliban agreement shaped the circumstances for the current situation by essentially curtailing offensive combat operations for U.S. and allied troops. The U.S. air support rules of engagement for Afghan security forces effectively changed overnight, and the Taliban were emboldened. So we couldn't attack the Taliban anymore. Yeah, because without air support, without people yeah. flying over, seeing where they're at, like we it have like... It had to be Afghan versus Taliban fighting we and, and the taliban was like okay we won't attack your forces anymore which they held up with pretty well they they kept their bargain um uh, they also the issue with the peace treaty is the government we put in place wasn't in the room when we negotiated it yeah right so i mean what the I can, how can we blame the president of afghanistan when you're like oh we're gonna negotiate a tr you did treaty, a peace with treaty with the taliban the opposition so oh that's who you're heading over the, the country to right why aren't we part because it's, it's it's hard because we're we're giving up on you and 
if you're in the room, you're going to hear it. Yeah. It's awkward. Like, ooh. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. So he's like, okay, everybody leave. Like, uh, everybody leave except for you, Taliban, and you, other Taliban, and you. Yeah, it's like that. It's like the uh, part in Austin, Power, yeah. Austin Powers when uh, Dr. Evil's like, everyone leave. And he's like, but not you, number two. And not you, mini me. And he like says everyone except for Scott. And then he just like ooh, looks around this the room. Is awkward. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> So the, yeah, so the Afghan government was left out of this peace agreement. Um, Which so, also, I, I think I said this last time, but how crazy is it that a Republican president did a peace treaty with literal fucking terrorists? Because what happened to like, we don't negotiate no, with God. terrorists. I know. That, that blew up my mind because I remember it was two years ago, like this time two years ago, and it was the probably the biggest, if Obama did this moment, the Taliban was at Camp David negotiating a peace treaty with the president. Yeah. On the weekend of ni- on the week of nine eleven. That's fucking crazy, isn't it? It was the week of nine eleven, and the Taliban with the full garb and the their le- they he pulled the leaders from prison because they were in prison mm-hmm. the, in Pakistan, mm-hmm. and they were like, "No, free them. I want to be." Yes, I wanna, Trump I wanna, did that. Yeah, yep. I mm-hmm. want to negotiate with the leaders of the Taliban, the real the number the number ones. Yeah, and bring them to my prestigious summer resort of Camp David. Yeah, and I'm like, damn, if Obama did this. Oh, dude. They, the Capitol riots would have happened like years ago. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's actually a commercial that came out by Occupy Democrats, if you haven't seen it yet. It's a pretty good commercial. Obviously, it's by Occupy Democrats, so it's very anti-Trump. But basically, a pull together of all of the clips of him saying he's getting out of Afghanistan, he's going to negotiate with the Taliban, and, you know, all these things that he set up that was, you know. And part of me is, I'm not mad at it. Part of me, I'm glad we're out, and... uh he made he set it up that there was no choice. We had no option. Mm-hmm. If we stayed longer, there's full blown warfare with a super powerful, like not super powerful, but an emboldened Taliban that's more powerful than they've been in a decade. So let me throw this at you. So before we get on to the full entire cost of what this debacle has cost us over twenty years, um, one of the other things that we were talking about is um, the contractors that are you know, going to be in Afghanistan. And I say going to be because, you know, the news media is showing Afghanistan now as everybody's trying to cram through these airport gates and get on these planes to get out because the crazy Taliban's now going to be in control and they're just going to be shooting anybody who, like, looks at them the wrong way and it's going to be so dangerous and it's horrible and they're whatever. Um, but in the meantime, all of these contractors, military contractors, have been lobbying Congress since 2020 to go into Afghanistan. So if it's so terrible and dangerous, now with the Taliban in control, you gotta ask yourself, like why would these contractors be lobbying to go in there? And now think about who was president, Donald Trump was negotiating with the Taliban, right? Um, Well, what was part of that negotiations? Do we have all that shit on paper? Because maybe they negotiated with the Taliban that listen, this is what's gonna go down. And this is all conjecture and conspiracy theory, just saying. But if I was a high-level Republican, the president of the United States, and I'm negotiating with the Taliban, who I know a bunch of shitbags, but I want these contractors, who are my buddies, to make and let me tell you, money. hundreds of millions of dollars of contracts <laughs> that they have already signed, that they're going to go into Afghanistan now. Wouldn't it just be a great thing if once I wasn't president anymore that the Taliban agreed to make this a huge fucking debacle for Biden 
in exchange for when the contractors come in there, you got to be nice to them and not shoot any of them. And we'll make sure your pockets are padded. I tell you, I love the I love the term power contractors, and they did an amazing thing um, last over oh, two weeks ago. They uh, a bunch of them volunteered and got a bunch of families out of, of special forces Afghan troops in around Kabul, like a whole like a few dozen of them um, volunteered, and they went out into Afghanistan and pulled people back into the airport, which is something we couldn't do because we can't we couldn't operate off the airport. Because that'd be aggression on our part, and it would inflame, you know, fighting. Um, and it goes to show you that private contractors—we used to call them mercenaries. Right. Yeah. These are badass former special special operatives, yes. former Four Navy hired. SEALs. Mm-hmm. And so whenever you see like, oh, the private contractor died in fighting in a certain country, we're talking about a mercenary usually working for a company. Whoever's paying the highest dollar. Yeah. No and loyalty. No patriotism. And sometimes they have to do some really rough stuff to make sure that they're they're. Uh, yeah. Their clients are, are taken care of. Of course. Well, you remember um, one, of the, one of the things that blew yeah. Blackwater out of the name? water. Was Eric Prince. Eric Prince was that um, they murdered a bunch of civilians. Yeah. In a, I can't remember the name of the square, sort of an A. But anyways, uh, there was like 13 or 17 civilians in this square at this intersection. And they just opened fire on them huh? and killed them all. And so there were eventually, you know, inquiries and some of the people were tried um, but, but yeah, that, that kind of was the first time that people were hearing about like, well, who's this Blackwater company? What are they doing over here? When I was in the military, I remember always overhearing, you know, uh, people that had special forces or Rangers training and they would openly talk about like, oh, I'm getting out in like two months and I'm going back over and right now my contract's worth like 130,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. And it's fucking mind blowing. And it's, I, had a, I had a professor at West Liberty who his claim to fame was he ran prisons in Vietnam. And he was the warden at Moundsville twice in Kentucky. He was a badass, you know. He was, insa- he was his his uh, resume was insane, and he left halfway through the semester at seventy years old, because the uh, POW camps in Iraq were private contracted, so they're paying him like well over like one hundred fifty thousand to go back over there mm-hmm. and just advise the prisoner the prisons over there. Wow! And he left halfway through the semester, and he was like, "Okay, we're gonna do a little quiz, and you guys are gonna get credit, and uh, I'm leaving. I'm gonna make this good money." <laughs> and we're like, damn, this guy's a badass. <laughs> like, holy fuck, he's going back over there, 70? Yeah. And he retired and lived in Florida and fucking made that good money. At least damn. a million that year. Yeah. Damn. So this article is from the from opensecrets.org. And if you've never been to that website, I highly encourage you to go there. These people go through all kind of government documents, budgets. They look for waste. They write articles on, you know, all kind of things. So, um highly respectable source and it says the department of defense issued nearly one billion dollars i feel like i should put my pinky up when i say that one billion dollars in contracts to 17 companies related to work in afghanistan that was that was set to continue past the may 1 withdrawal date that was may 1 we were supposed to be out there in may according to trump's agreement yeah that's insane Mm because you don't know if you're going to win or not right so you have what Purdue president comes in February, March, April, three months mm-hmm. to, to pull out. Right. And we're lucky that they gave us a little bit more time because they're going to be like, what? And well, Biden in April, I think, said changed gonna, it from May to September 11th. And Trump was very upset about that. He was just mm-hmm. like, oh, what no, a it has to be mess. May. What a yeah. fucking mess he left. So uh, Texas-based defense contractor and construction firm, it looks like Flower, but spelled wrong, F-L-U-O-R, 
receive contracts of at least $85 million this year for work in Afghanistan. The company recently said it will continue to do everything it can to repatriate all employees required to leave Afghanistan. So all the people that we're trying to get out, that people on the news are crying that we need to get, get, get all these Americans, get these people out, they're fucking going back. Yeah. We're going to repatriate them to Afghanistan. Floor spent over $1.4 million on lobbying in the first half of 2021. So, uh, and then there's another one. Alidos was awarded $34 million in government contracts to continue providing logistics support and services for the Afghan Air Force and the Special Mission Wing, which now... Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist, as far as we know. The U.S. Army Contracting Command They're like, no refunds. No refunds. (laughs) (laughs) The U.S. Army Contracting Command awarded Lidos an initial $727 million contract on August 17, 2017, while Trump was president. And Lidos spent $1.18 million on lobbying in the first half of 2021. Now, you can also go to open secrets and see who the beneficiaries of these contractors which politicians get money from these companies who donates to their campaigns because they're the people owned by these defense contractors that make money off of people going over there and dying so you know that this has been an ongoing problem with the united states we get in these zones and certain people make money off a of war and that's why this shit never ends so I don't, I, I'm trying to figure out though, how does Biden pulling out, is is this like a, so so Biden pulls the official U.S. military out and now all these contractors are going to go in and they're going to continue to that? make money. It's we budget. are. The United States government's giving them contracts. And nobody else. Well, Just there's us. 17 companies. I think. Well, well, I just wonder if, like, the UN well, or anybody. Well, probably you know, other anybody. countries. Probably France has defense contractors. Probably, probably there's other places that have private companies that make money off of war zones that are going to be involved. We probably share that pie with other That's people. That's what I wondered. But yeah, the Textron, $9.7 million in force protection <laughs> efforts. Um, Amentum Services was awarded $305 million in defense contracts mentioning Af- uh, Afghanistan since 2008. So this is where all of our taxpayer dollars have been going. It's all of these defense contractors. You know, uh, uh, we all know Raytheon, Boeing, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, General Dynamics, Northrop Grumman. And if you look all these up, um, a lot of them are heavy donors to both parties, but a lot of Republicans. And uh, especially in the red states in the, in, in the South, uh, they have some of their actual factories there that make stuff too so that's like a we'll support Shocker. we'll support you bring some jobs to our poor ass state gross yeah so i know you did some number crunching and how much total did you come up with what we spent in afghanistan over the past 20 years okay let me find that number pretty close to a billion if i remember right yeah which is crazy and that is a shit ton of money including all the numbers you just rambled off but also, I have to say, it ain't shit compared to what Jeff Bezos has. Since 2002, the Pentagon, Still this is shit. the Pentagon, has spent $107.9 billion on contracted services in Afghanistan. Damn. Contracted. Even... That's not counting the military. $107 billion on contracted services. Oh, shit. Yeah. It makes me like, blow your mind how much they can like, pay their troops compared to how much we pay our troops. Because they're paying their troops 130000 Yeah, we a year. ain't paying our troops shit. 
what a mess. What was the other thing too? Um, oh yeah, and did you find anything on what what was their plan for the withdrawal? I mean, they keep saying that they never anticipated that the uh, the Afghan army or whatever uh, you want to call it was well, going to fold I'm this saying. fast. So what what was their best case scenario? I mean, they they're kind of making it well, out like all we knew. I don't think anybody's saying anything because I think personally, I don't my think conspiracy they theory scenario. is true. I think that Trump's agreement with the Taliban was, you know, uh, if I leave office. I got all these private contractors are going to come in there because he negotiated all these deals for the contracts. This was in 2017. Um, well, after we pull out of your country, these contractors are going to come in there. So, you know, don't shoot at them. But when the military's on the way out, you know, feel free to make it look like a clusterfuck for Biden. Hmm. Because otherwise, if this wasn't like a thing, let me ask you this. Why are they going to be quiet Okay, when Trump's in there negotiating at Camp David, Biden comes in, it's a clusterfuck. But now this work is these contractors are going to be in there till 2022 and they're not worried about the Taliban attacking them. They're going to go over there and make money building roads that the Taliban aren't going to blow up. Mm -hmm. It just seems really strange to me. Why would any contractor want to go into a country and to make you know, get paid by our government to be in there if it's so Well, it should, be, it should be pretty easy to figure out. I mean, if, if our government's funding it, then there should be a record of that, no problem. Well, Open Secrets dug out the so records. Yeah, oh, so the numbers you're reading are, yeah, are right are now. Yeah, these are factual records of government contracts that were issued. 33% of our contracts in Afghanistan went to five companies. It seems like the Taliban has some restraint, though. If they've been able to, like, not attack U.S. troops for two years, uh, pretty well to keep up with this peace treaty. And then during this withdrawal, they could have, they could have took the, the, the airport. Right, There's that's a what they I'm saying. Have. And so, like, we want to like accuse them of being like ISIS, but they seem like they're maybe more a little bit more like Saudi Arabia, where they have these backwards, uh, backwards um, super views, ultra conservative views. But they are still a, a government that wants to maintain power. And I'm also kind of curious to see how they get along with ISIS in the in the country. Because ISIS does not seem like they seem like they're the next level that doesn't like believe in any type of contract. I feel like the Taliban definitely doesn't give a shit about ISIS's views because they're similar, if not the same. But I think that their worry is that the Taliban just wants to have their country. They want Afghanistan so they can implement their rule and their what they consider their justice. And I think that they'll consider ISIS a threat because ISIS wants to be worldwide and they want to do all these terror attacks. And they're thinking, dude, ISIS, you start doing all these attacks and get other countries back right. in here and back That's on our ass, then we got there. a problem. Yeah. Like, I bet you like, there's enough subtle differences that they are enemies. I, I mean, I could see like, that. I, I feel like there'll be a small civil Which war. Which is kind of what years. logic I think that, you know, I mean, not that I'm implying that Trump has any fucking logic at all, but... I think that's kind of the pattern of logic I was trying to follow with how he was playing it off that he was even meeting with the Taliban to begin with because it's like, well, lesser of two evils. If we meet with the Taliban, then they'll get ISIS. You know what I mean? Well, that's how like, they tried a, to say it. That's what I mean. I'm, yeah, I'm assuming how he, that's the how he tried to play that off because, again, can you imagine if Obama did this shit? They'd be like, no, what actually, happened? Obama yeah. did do this shit in Syria because when we were arming people in Syria to get Assad out of there, we were arming ISIS. We were arming terrorists in yeah but Syria even still to get rid of the established government there because we didn't like and i'm not I'm saying not, no a i'm good not guy. i'm, I'm not saying, agreeing with that at all but what i'm saying is he didn't fucking fly free them from jails and fly them to america you know what i mean like also thought 
is how would have, how would the withdrawal would have went if we didn't if we didn't free five thousand five hundred of the Taliban's most hardened fighters? Right. Yeah. What was, the fuck like, was that? Like, how like I feel like it would have went a little bit better. If they didn't have their their A team coming out of prison for the last year, and let me ask all these people who are saying, "Well, Trump, yeah, Trump wanted uh, to withdraw, but Biden screwed it up." Well, Trump was in there for four years. Well, and that's what I keep hearing too. And every time when people say that, when they're like, "Well, Trump had a good plan and he had this negotiated, and Biden's messing it up," and I'm like, "How?" And they have they have no answer. And that's what I'm like. This this is why I wanted. I was excited to cover this episode. And try to get some some facts involved in it because I'm like I feel like everybody has an opinion on whether it's right or whether it's wrong. But then when you question them about it or you ask for any more information, they really don't have it. And that's my brother's a big supporter of he thinks that we should have stayed. And I'm like, well, what are we supposed to do? Just occupy Did forever? He that, though? I don't know. I guess I really don't know. He, he's I just, one of them he's people like that a, sees like the kids being killed in these war zones, and, and he's like, whatever it takes to prevent what I mean? that. And it's just and like the little okay, girls but, not being allowed to go to school. Like he just can't. He see. just can't take it. I've been but that you can't make decisions based off of that because it's just like. Well, I know, but I'm saying that's what he's motivated by. He has a daughter and he sees these girls over there not allowed to go to school and shit. And that makes him enraged, which it should, it does. I mean, but the answer doesn't make the answer the right answer. Right, exactly. After Bin Laden was was taken out, I thought we were going back the, night, the year after. I Honestly, I did and too. And that was over 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I mean, and, and like I said, when we talked about it before, maybe our intelligence had you know that it wasn't a good time to leave or that something was going to happen if we left i don't know but, man, but honestly a good time. i really i really thought that after we got bin laden that 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 would be it right there and then i guess i just there's got to be something else because i'm like not only did obama get the credit for that but then he could have pulled the troops out right then and there and it would have been like he is the president that ended the war in afghanistan we got osama bin laden and we ended this shit but mm-hmm. he didn't why well because they kept moving the goalposts because democrats are like how can you have a democratic president saying we're going to get out of afghanistan without having established that the living conditions are going to be better the girls are going to go to school they raised the goalposts the original goalposts when we went into afghanistan was we're going to destroy the taliban and we're going to make sure that the established government agrees to no more terrorist training camps that can attack us in america once that goalpost was reached, they were like, "Yeah, but yeah, we, we should have been leave done. because we got to change their culture." Yeah, well, you know, so. well, and that's tra- kind of what I try to tell my brother is, I'm like, you know, well, you you have to imagine if other countries did what America did. Like, where are we? Are we trying to be like colonizing other areas and making them little Americas? Because if you go to Afghanistan and we're occupying forever, then that's yeah. that's where we become. Like now, we're just trying to make this the an extension of hell. America. So, but, you know, that's also like the thing with uh, McCain was knocked, like was hit hard on this in 08 because he believed in, in staying in these countries for, for as long as it took. And he was brought up, people brought up Iraq and Afghanistan, how long would he be there? And he was like, 10 years? He's like, maybe 20, maybe, maybe 100, 100 years. And uh, the uh, the left jumped on that like, what? Yeah. But that was the mentality. Um mm-hmm. You stay in these countries for as long as it takes to make sure that people have um, a life similar to, our, to, to ours. And uh, let's be honest, America, we can we can stomach that in countries that are welcoming to us, and we don't like our troops aren't at risk, like serious risks, because even troops in, in countries. Yeah, I mean, it's not like we're down there doing Red Cross shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. This is warfare. Like in Germany, like the troops would still get like threats and stuff, but it wasn't. It's not like a war zone. And we weren't going to stay. I mean, 20 years is, is amazing. Well, and I, you know, 
that was another point that someone brought up to me was that, you know, we only have 2,500 troops there at this point, and they were holding the Taliban back, so really, what's the big issue? And I'm like, I mean, on one hand, I understand that, but at the same time, we can't act like 20,000, 20, over 20,000 of our soldiers have been injured in the time that we've been over there. We've lost over 2,000 of them, so it's like... But the I mean the Afghan military lost about sixty six thousand. So we're talking we're talking years. about loss. Yeah. It's not like we everything's just been great while we've been occupying it. Like yeah. there's has still been things going on. Well, the twenty five hundred people troops, have died. You'd think though, like we were holding them at bay because they weren't attacking us. Well, and exactly, right, exactly. this was just like the yeah. last force. They, they That's were like it. they were like hey, it's not like we could have just kept them there forever. Avoid the American troops, or fight with this 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 these group over here. And we were able to do that then, but we break this treaty. Right. There's 2,500 troops. Sitting ducks. They, I mean, they have support. And people are talking about, you know what? Let me get this whole rant about the, the troops that passed, that perished, sadly, during that terrorist attack. When we break this tweet, treaty, I said tweet, huh, treaty, our casualties are way more than 12. Like, we say, if we say we're going to stay for another year, and the Taliban is like, no, we had an agreement. We're back at full. We have to reinvade, right? Because right. twenty five hundred troops isn't right. going to hold them. No, back. no and I, it wasn't holding them at bay, anyways. What was holding them at bay was the idea that we were going to get out of their mm. country, right? And they could have rain. That was what holding them back. Twenty five hundred troops wasn't holding them back at all. No, the fear of reinvasion was. But, for but sure. like you're saying, if they would have broke the rules, the agreement that they made. Then you remember when Obama did a troop surge because the shit got ugly again right. and he did a troop surge to tamp it down or whatever? Yeah, I think it was like 17,000 troops he sent. He sent a lot of troops over there. Yeah, yeah. he was like, I'm going to be the president to get us out. And then this shit happened and then he was like, oh no, we're sending like a bunch of people in there. <laughs> I mean, but now I think that, you know, when we, when we have people in these countries and these contractors go in there and they want to get deals, okay, there has to be a certain level of uh, civility and, and stability for the contractors to stay there because they ain't getting shot. These rich people and people going over there yeah, to make money. Think they money can't. don't do you any good if you're dead. They can hire private security too, though. I mean, there's nothing stopping those people from hiring Blackwater no, right. as private they, security. And they will. And Dine Corp and all, all, they'll hire private security. But the point is, even if you have private security, there's snipers or just, it would be better off if you had a corrupt government or made a deal with a corrupt the Taliban or whoever to say, listen, we're just here to get the whatever the rare earth elements or whatever it is that Afghanistan has to offer. Maybe drugs, because I still think the heroin in this country had something to do with that invading that heroin-rich country. But <clears throat> if we just make an agreement with them, nobody's got to die. We'll just give you some money, like the mafia. We'll just, get, we'll just pay us some protection money. We'll pay you some money to leave us alone while we operate and do what we're going to do. I think that's what's going on. They're making a yeah, deal. Yeah, it, it, it does freak me out, and I'm hoping that in the following weeks, maybe we'll get some answers to really what was their best-case scenario. Because I mean, like they, they keep said, talking those about, people, the people well, that we got never the first planes it. out were the contractors. We never expected it to fold up this fast. We didn't know the Taliban would take over this quickly. Like, all these things are saying we didn't expect to happen. I just want to know, well, what did you expect I to happen, and what was the timeline for that? I guarantee the best-case scenario in minds of, of the planners in the White House was we pull out, and it's not this horrible scene of people grasping onto our planes and thousands, hundreds of people. Yeah, they didn't. Because yeah. like, the, the Taliban's at the door. It takes a year for the country to fall, and it doesn't look bad on us. That was the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. And that's what they knew, that's what they hoped would happen. But they won't yeah. I, They won't say that. They but won't. The Taliban on, on the outside of Kabul, 
Mm-hmm. Kabul, am I saying that right? Kabul? Kabul, Kabul yeah. And then people are freaking out. It's, it goes from um, a withdrawal to a rescue mission. Mm-hmm. Which people don't forget. Like, we were like, oh, we're withdrawing. Oh, shit, it's a rescue mission now. Because everybody wants to leave because the country's mm-hmm. fallen. Um, we hope that's going to happen at least six months well, after listen, we listen, don't you think it makes sense that, um, you know, Biden... Because I don't trust Biden. I, I despise Trump, don't trust Trump, and I, d- I don't trust Biden either, okay? But let's just say there was an, uh, an agreement that Trump had with the Taliban and shit. And maybe Biden thought that's what was going to happen. Maybe he thought, okay, Trump Six negotiated months. a deal yeah. with these Taliban. They're going to let us get out. I'll get the glory for looking like the president that ended the war. But all of his buddies, are, all of both of our buddies, are going to go in there and make a shit ton of money. And everybody, it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. But who's to say that they didn't pull the plug on it and be like, okay, Biden's the president, make this shit look bad. Let's fucking go crazy over there. Like, I'm just saying when you're dealing with unscrupulous fucking people and money's involved, anything is possible. Well, I mean, you know, I know, if Biden thought that shit was going to happen, he on his watch and he's, he wants to be president again, whatever, he ain't going to let it happen. Right. I will right. say to... Uh, um, uh... I don't want to praise the Taliban, but if you want to plan to take back the country, you do it quick before they can get their um, their wherewithal their back, in. their footing back. Mm-hmm. You hit them right when they leave, mm-hmm. and the people on the ground were in disarray. They're like, "Holy shit, mm-hmm. it's over already!" Mm-hmm. And the last military, the last U.S. plane hasn't left yet, and they took the country like that to a point where we have to send. 20, 30,000 troops to, to bring it back. And mm-hmm. we're not doing that. No, we're not doing and that. And to, to give them credit, the Taliban played it perfectly. Even mm-hmm. if, if you don't believe in any conspiracy theories or anything, they hit fast, they hit hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, they used just the fear of the people. And also, um, we talked about how the men wouldn't aren't going to fight for a government they don't believe in. And also, how much is how much of the life is going to change that much, really? Like, how many men do you know we're going to fight and die for their woman's right to, to vote? That sounds rough, but it's In like, that oh. Culture, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, we have to go out and fight so my wife can vote. Man. Yeah. Oh, no. I guess I'm just going to go home again. No, see. Right. And they banked on that, and they won it. <laughs> and now they are flying around Kabul with a Black Hawk helicopter. You see that video yet? I haven't seen the video. Oh my. Well, the first, they were advertising like, oh, they're hanging people from a Black Hawk, you know, or a helicopter. And they weren't. Like, that's the video. They're like, oh my goodness, they're like executing people from Black Hawks. The case was, it was a guy in a harness and they were flying around celebrating. <laughs> and this oh guy my. was like, ah, we won. Oh my God. <laughs> it's insane. That's insane. Yeah. And that's a real video. <laughs> but people saw that and they thought he was hanging, like, you know, like in Scarface. Wow. No. Oh, and then there was the one link that you sent me that had um, about the equipment that was destroyed. Price breakdown, yeah. yeah. go ahead and yeah, I just can um, read that real quick. I don't even know if I, I have to bring the link up. I just, I took a bunch of screenshots from a US, I think it was USA Today article that was saying what the prices of MRAPs and uh, Humvees and different things were, um, you know, amounting to millions of dollars worth of equipment. And uh, I think they said one of the fighter jets was like $30 million new and we left like 70 of them there. And I'm just like, wow. And But I guess, I mean, and not that we don't all know that we spend a stupid amount of money on this equipment, but I'm just like... Was that the price of it? Yeah, let me find the... Yeah, I thought we, said we, left, we left some MiGs there. And uh, the issue with the MiGs were with the Russian airplanes anyways. 
This one was the one I sent you. According to the U.S. Department of Defense, the total military expenditure in Afghanistan from October 2001 till December 2020 was $825 billion with about another $130 billion spent on reconstruction projects. That's all? That brings the total cost based on official data to about $955 billion, uh, close to the lower $1 trillion estimate given by Mr. Biden. One trillion, then. One trillion dollars. So the two links I sent you, the one was talking about U.S. troops disable 73 aircraft weapon systems before leaving Kabul, and then the Taliban came, um, which we talked about a little bit. And the other one I sent you was about what happened to the U.S. military equipment left behind by Afghanistan. And um, they talked about as many as 70 MRAPs. uh, Vehicles cost about a million apiece. Humvees were way less than that. They said 27 Humvees were left behind, uh, less than a third of what an MRAP cost. That's um, like 300,000, right? The, it doesn't say. It just says uh, Humvees price tag less than one third of an MRAP. And how much is an MRAP? One million apiece. So it was like 300,000? Yeah. Yeah. Roughly around there. So, and really how do you not get 73 aircraft out? It ain't like well, we ain't got parking lots to put them in. On the get the shit out of there. The military left 73 aircraft and... Uh, it says those aircrafts will never fly again. Pentagon officials acknowledged in photos show that the soldiers operated Apache attack helicopters at the airport. A new one cost more than $30 million. Um, and then they talked about counter rockets, artillery, mortar systems, um, about $10 million apiece to shoot the, the things that shoot down the oncoming rockets. So, I mean, those were just some basic numbers. But Money I, I just in had the to... Toilet. Yeah, I just had to take screenshots of all of that because I'm like, here here are actual numbers of amounts of things that we left there and their price tag. And then I posted the next article, which was a Harvard medical study that was in like 2010 that was like 45,000 Americans die every year for lack of health insurance or being underinsured. And I'm like, yeah. this is where I'm at with this. Call me a single issue voter. I said it last time. I'll say it this time. I don't know how we can occupy another country when we literally have people in America dying because they can't afford insulin. I just can't hear this shit anymore. The issue, but, <laughs> well, the weapon really seems like, and I feel like we left the weapons behind to kind of like save face. Like we we thought they, they were going to fight. Oh, back. yeah, we thought. Like we were like, hey, we're going to leave these here because we know you guys are going to win because we don't want to look bad in front of the world. And we it's hard to tell somebody you're giving up on them in, in their, to their face. And... Uh, yeah, like I wonder if those aircrafts that they're talking about disabling, I wonder if they just let them sitting there and did like, did they even know that they were disabled? Like, well, I don't think we started doing that until we realized the country was a loss. Right. That's why so much weaponry and so many Humvees got were, destroyed instead were, of brought back. Yeah. Well, how many of them like were give, like people like oh we gave these Humvees to the Taliban? No, we didn't. They were just taken so fast that we were already gone, right. and we didn't realize they were just going to be you know. Ha- I hate to say handed over because who am I to judge an Afghani fighter? You know. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to die. Nobody wants to die. And if you're not going to fight for a government that's going to fight for you, then, then fuck it. But we didn't realize, like, oh shit, we're just handing this over to the opposition. Right. Interestingly, they destroyed some of them using a very high temperature explosive called thermite. Yeah. Which yeah. many of you 9/11 conspiracy theorists are very familiar with. Thermite. We were Jet with fuel that. can't yeah. melt that's steel they, beams. That's what they. That's what they use to bring down the towers. You put that Thermite. right on the uh, the hood of a Humvee, and it will like eat Burn the way the right yep. through, and it's mm-hmm. no longer operational. Yep. Are you sure? Are you sure they didn't use jet fuel? <laughs> I mean, I've <laughs> I've heard it. It's it can burn anything. No, and you know what? Building seven, it was just regular office a fire 
by regular office equipment office that caused paper. it to collapse. Yeah, that's wow, Dunder really? Mifflin. That's the that's best paper. Crazy shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're not gonna offend me. That's for damn sure. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, what a shit show. I feel like uh, the prediction, like I said I said last time, that um, I don't think China's going to stay out of it. And if they do, then definitely not Russia. They've just got, Afghanistan's got way too many um, uh, elements, minerals, resources that poppy. are not being harnessed. Well, nobody's going to invade, but they'll make some good business deals. Oh, for sure. For sure. And uh, all these people are talking about, oh my goodness, we left so many weapons. And then Trump said, we should go back in and take our weapons back and we should go bomb them. Oh, good Lord. First off, these weapons don't make them a threat to anybody. Is he allowed on Twitter again? How is no, he even saying anything? No. Well, he's really, he was at a rally. Oh, okay. And I literally haven't heard anything from him since he hasn't been president anymore. Like he established that yeah. little, uh, what was it? Uh, the office, the former office, office of, of the, the White House. president. Kind of I mean, come on. The website kind of failed. But <laughs> at, let's say Pakistan is not worried about an invasion. The stuff we left there, they can maybe patrol and hopefully keep well if anything pakistan get a hold of anything they'll put it on the border between them and india well and, you know like india pakistan did beef up their borders too i know a lot of people put shit on them like well they just let you know members of the taliban and isis run back and forth and it was harder to track them yeah. down because they just let people cross the border but that's not true i mean they have they do have a border it's not like it's just land that you walk across of an imaginary right. line they have a border mm-hmm. i mean like, what we left be honest, what we left the afghani army is what u.s police forces pretty much work with Besides the mortars. <laughs> Besides the mortars and, and the short-range missiles. That's only used for crowd control. Yeah. The mortars. Yeah. <laughs> the MRAPs, the Humvees, some of the helicopters that they're not going to be able to use for much longer because you have to have special equipment. Maintenance, right. A, a special training. They're going to be armed with what is mostly what the LAPD has, mm-hmm. which is impressive equipment, but... Not when you're the, fighting guerrilla warfare. Yeah, that's, that's no, they're not a threat to anybody outside of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Right. So fuck it. We, we took a little L there. Mm-hmm. We gave them some of our minor league shit. Mm-hmm. It's not like they have stealth bombers or nukes or mm-hmm. or major artillery. Weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. Are you so sure? We just kind of shrug Are it you off. really sure? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think. I said, yeah, again, I said in the last podcast, I think a lot of people that are echoing the. Well, we're scared now that we pulled out of there that we're going to have a tax on American soil. I just don't see that happening. I well, don't. here's I mean, why I see it happening. I don't blame here's people. Here's why I see it happening. I don't blame people who think that because, again, I was a kid when 9-11 happened and I understand that people older than me saw, you know, were traumatized by 9-11 and they're like, it happened once, it can happen again. Right. I get all that. I don't blame them for that fear. I just think that, I don't know, I've just we have one of the greatest militaries in the world. We have a lot of intelligence. I just think that, I mean, in a lot of... For as much as I don't agree with them spying on people and this and that and the other, and I think the FBI lets a lot of shit fall through the cracks that is brought to their attention, we do stop a lot of shit from happening. But here's the thing, though. If there is any kind of an agreement between these multi-billion dollar corporations that are going to be camped out in Afghanistan to pay off the Taliban in order to not be attacking them, because it's it's much more profitable for them to just give the Taliban a chunk of money than to try to pay you know high high security all the time. Okay. When those people got money, what are they going to do with the build schools? Mm-mm. Ain't going to happen. And, you know, these other terrorist organizations that are in there, like, say, ISIS-K. Let's say ISIS-K is a, a, is a mortal enemy of the Taliban. Okay. Well, now these contractors got to keep ISIS-K at bay. So one of the reasons they say ISIS-K is so terrible and, like, does these crazy shit and beheads people, puts their fucking heads on stakes and crazy shit, is because when you do insane stuff like that, it gets you notoriety, and then 
people with money say, oh, look at them, them some crazy bastards. Let's give them some money. That's how you get money when you're a terrorist or, or a, a gang is you're the worst gang. And people say, well, I'm going to give money to the winning team. I will say, I think the one thing we have to, to kind of comfort us from international terrorism, and I don't know if it's a good thing, I don't know if it's a bad thing, but it's fucking effective, is the uh, the Patriot, Patriot Act. Yeah, and then absolutely. say there's a reason we haven't had a major attack in 20 years. Right. It's because once you start planning outside of one person, mm -hmm. you might be able to get away with one or two people in like mm -hmm. a small room with nothing around you, but once you start planning mm -hmm. um, outside of that room, mm -hmm. The fucking government is on right. like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, like, I mean that's... they've always been spying on us, so it almost makes me think, you know, maybe it's not that crazy that some people in the government knew that yeah. shit was going to happen because and it it's... almost seems like you'd need somebody inside that would let it happen. Well, and it seems like a lot of the attacks that we do hear about, um, you know, especially a lot of mass shooter events, it's a single guy. You know what I mean? It's hard to catch it's those creepy. people, but it's like we saw the um, the Boston bombing. Again, what was that? Like one guy, two, two people, guys, two, two brothers. So there you go. Plan. Where were they? Like pressure cookers. Hard, hard to prevent. Yeah. So you don't. You, yeah. But we hear about that because it happened. But like we don't hear about all the shit that they prevent. Well, you, so, I mean, you don't. You don't. You ignored it. Like you don't. How many um, um, anti-government, white supremacy, terrorist attacks that are like I see it every month on TNN. Like oh, five in Iowa. Taken out, not taken out, but arrested for planning and plotting. This happens every month, and you just mm -hmm. kind of ignore it because it didn't happen. That's because somebody sent an email right. or a text, mm -hmm. and the government read it, and they swooped in real fast. Mm -hmm. So for somebody from outside of America to come in and uh, pull something by themselves, they could do it by themselves, maybe. But like a, like a concerted yeah, effort? Yeah, it takes like a lot of would, people yeah, mm -hmm. and a lot of money. I don't know if a 9-11 could happen without us knowing if they had to be in the country for more than a day. Right. Well, but some, and you know, when I tried to explain that to someone who told me that they were worried about an attack on American soil and I brought up all of these points and they said, that's not what worries me. What worries me is that I think that the government knew 9-11 was going to happen. Yeah, for sure. And I think that if there, there is going to be a terrorist attack on American soil and the government is going to know about it, but they're mm -hmm. going to let it happen. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I guess I can't really argue that. Yeah. I get, can't, I yeah. can't really argue that. <laughs> I mean, there's so much evidence beyond belief that the 9-11 Commission, the report that was issued was total bullshit. And, you know, I mean, I'm not a person who thinks that it was all CGI. I mean, I'm not that crazy. But I also know about Operation Northwood. I know that, you know, 50 years ago, the government created, you know, plots that you wouldn't believe. You wouldn't believe the government would plot and plan to harm their own people just to have a reason to go into X country X. But they will. They absolutely will do that because it's all about the money that's made off the wars. That's all it's about. And, you know, Biden and Trump and all the private contractors, we're gonna make, they're going to make all their money without any soldiers in Iraq. It's, they're still going to make their money. So that's why we're just bringing them out now. And there's no way for us to get freedom of information on any of these contractors. We will literally, they could do whatever they want in these countries and we are never going to know Well, that's kind of why I'm against the, the use of private, um, like like Blackwater, like mercenaries, whatever you want to call them. It's just because, I mean... There's no accountability. Right, there isn't. And I think if the, if our tax dollars are paying them, then we deserve to know. Yes, like, you, you shouldn't be a loophole to get around us, right. our information. I've seen a lot of fiction, like in movies and even video games, have talked about replacing the military with all private contractors. And uh, I don't think that's too far-fetched. I think no. that's going to be 
something that we hear debated, at least debated within the next 20, 20 to 30 years, being like, hey, private contracting is cheaper and more effective, and these young kids will be hired by these companies with amazing benefits and a great places they'll to stay. They'll put a capitalist spin yeah. on it. And they won't be in the Army. They'll be part of this company called Blackwater Incorporated. They'll be a corporate man. And mm-hmm. that's, that's going to be a debate and because they, they debate everything. They, they've debated um, privatizing everything in my lifetime even. Mm-hmm. Like Medicare. Republicans will absolutely be on board to privatize the military before they will any kind of health care. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, no, they love privatized health care. Yeah, they, they, they would love privatized they would love everything. The Medicaid. Privatized military, privatized prisons. Yeah. It's all money in their pocket. Remember Bush? Yeah. Privatized means money and politicians. Oh, pocket. yeah. I'm sorry. I have yeah, that totally right. backwards. You know what I meant. I though. knew what you meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I said it wrong. You know what I meant. There's a huge debate. What was it? Uh, Social Security. Yeah, because one Paul of Bush's, Ryan wanted to. Yeah, one of Bush's biggest tenants was like, we got, we're going to move Social Security to the private, the private right. sector. Right, mm-hmm. yes. And it's going to be based on the stock market. And learn more about the stock market. Yeah, learning more about the stock market this year. That's terrifying. So fucking insane. Yeah, because you see all of the literally like hungry old people like just starving because yeah. they don't have. There is no social security check. The stock market crashed. You're fucking broke. It's yeah. the 1929. It's 1920s. 401k for everybody and uh, gone. There's no security yeah, net. No. So we've seen prisons. Yeah. We've seen healthcare. They can't wait to get something privatized. The post yeah. office, they, Trump wanted to privatize and the post the, office. They're getting oh, there. man, yeah. yeah. I'm glad that conversation got schools, dropped. Schools, talking about vouchers for schools. They oh, yeah, he was all about that with uh, when he put that Betsy DuVos in there. They wanted to, uh, they're like giving all these money to like private schools yeah. and shit. And it's That's like, well, I guess fuck, fuck All I can schools, say to I people guess. who want to say, oh, but it's better because it's choice and it's competition. But go back and look at the days of the Rockefellers, the Carnegie's, fucking Morgan Bank. Look at all when all rich people ran everything. Look, go back and look at how normal people lived back then. No minimum wage, no safety in the workplace. Try to start a union, get your fucking head shot off, yeah. get beat down. Like corporate hey, rulers were like gods back then. You had nothing you could say. Yeah. They look you know? in the street like, hey, Mister, I'll tap dance for you for a quarter. That's how it's gonna be. Like, like it's gonna be that poor. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's gonna be. It would be horrible. <laughs> You get it. <laughs> like Oliver Twist. Yeah. You so, saw, have you seen Oliver Twist? You know Quist? debtor's prison? They what used to it? throw people in jail. Yeah. Literally in jail. If you couldn't pay your debt, they threw your ass in jail. They didn't care if you had kids. Fucking kids could starve on the street. They didn't care. Oliver Twist. Mm-mm. That poor, poor orphanage. And he's like, he got porridge and they ate it. And he's like, can I have some oh, more? Oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've and he's like, it. more? You want more? And he's like, yes, please. That's how poor it's going to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be. That's how it was at the turn of the century when there was no uh, no standards. I would like yeah. to think that things are getting to the point now that in the next 10 years there's going to have to be some major shift, but, I mean, I feel like people have said that before. I think uh, there's a division, and uh, once you adopt a certain uh, title, like conservative, Republican, Democrat, liberal, you start adopting every aspect of, of that title, even if it's harmful to you so it's insane for me like to see people especially like christians that are like i'm pro-life because i believe in sanctity of life and baby should be able to live and blah 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 i have this weird i don't say weird but this whole belief and you you, you adopt that that's the reason you're republican that's the reason that you liked trump and then suddenly you're like oh wait yes jeff bezos deserves a tax cut because 
I had to believe this because I have to be on this side. Right. And I can't waver. So give him another tax cut. Yeah. And yes, raise my taxes 5% because I work and I deserve to pay more as well. Yeah, they do. And it's not, it's not <laughs> Jeff's fault. It's the poor people. It's that lady on the corner asking for money. Because that's what Jesus would say. Yes, <laughs> that's <a> very accurate <laughs> representation. Yeah, I, uh, that's what I was thinking while we end off here. The two, the other two things that are going on in the news right now was uh, the Texas abortion ban, which is fucking wild, and I think that eventually will be repealed because Supreme Court has already decided decided Roe versus Wade. But you know, they talk about in the five or six months, possibly longer, that it could take to get the law repealed. That a majority of clinics will close and people will still not have access to it. So that's fucked up. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of different arguments on pro-life, pro-choice, but I'm like, man, these people are really trying to make themselves out to be the villain because they excluded cases of rape and incest. I think this might be an overstep um, case where you might see a shift in Texas. Like you might see Texas go blue. I mean, how can they think that's a, that's that's not even a smart logistical choice because that that's that's there's no defense for that. It is if you believe that God has a plan for everybody. <laughs> and, but if you're not religious, that sounds like fucking insanity. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, hey, we I have mean, to, I can I can let the baby live because God meant this to happen, and uh, He has a purpose for this baby. Well, I feel, and suck it up. I feel like the pro. I mean, it's a whole different show, but I feel like the pro-life movement was um, corrupted by religion because. You know, I'm pro-life, but it's only because I've had two children, and um, I felt like those children, when they were inside of me, were human beings, and they were moving, and they were kicking, and I could, you know, feel them hiccuping, and so just from my own personal experience, um, I believe that there is a certain point before, you know, the baby's born where the baby is alive. Now, uh, you know, we, there's been terms of viability of the fetus, and this, does, this one's the heartbeat bill, whatever. Um, but I think that the the way that Roe v. Wade was ruled on as an equal rights case took it away from having any kind of an analysis of when life begins. Like we haven't actually talked about that. Like that's the issue with abortion that I think all logical people need to have. Like if we say someone's dead when their heart stops, but we're like, well, but we can give them CPR and bring them back. So when their heart stops, they're not even actually dead. Like we could bring them back. But yet when a baby's heart beats, we don't well, that's what I was going to start say. of life. Like, I, we have I would to decide. I would things. absolutely understand. I mean, as much as I am pro-choice and I think six weeks is extremely early to expect someone to know, I can follow that pattern of logic. Heartbeat ends end of life heartbeat begins signal of life a lot of things you can argue there but i just feel like how how do you look at any situation even if you're like oh it's as few as a hundred people a year that deal with a case of pregnancy with rape or incest even if it was as little as a hundred people how do you look at those people and just say too bad right how the fuck do now, you like, do I'm that i'm not against the day after pill and i i don't understand mm. why in a case well, and again like if, that, if people be... who were pro-life really were pro-life then they would start lobbying against things like doctors aren't allowed to tell you you can't have your tubes tied for whatever reason mm-hmm. if we find out a doctor is telling you you can't have your tubes tied you know what i mean they are we're gonna revoke their fucking medical license mm-hmm. like making and they should be pro-birth birth control, control. Like, 
Absolutely, they but should. religious people are often against birth control. That's what I'm saying. I'm it's not. Wild. I'm not pro-life because of religious reasons. So mm-hmm. when I look at the religious people and the bent that they take on abortion, I'm like, you guys are stupid. Like, if you really want to slow the because number of abortions, I don't think it's about that. Free I don't think it's about control. that. Give people. Th- it's just about having control over other people's bodies. It's, I think that's what it is. And you mentioned the heartbeat thing, and uh, I, I mean, that's like when the argument is like, once the heartbeat is life. But even like people in, in, in a comatose vegetarian, vegetative state, we don't consider them alive anymore once the brain stops working. Right. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen to like three or four months in the, It's definitely way past six months. It was six weeks, right? I oh, honestly brain development? Say. Like, yeah, where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I'm aware of Nervous of system. Myself. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying I know when it begins. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is we haven't had the scientific discussion to about, talk about it. So, like, the only thing they ever mentioned as far as terms of abortion was the viability of the fetus, which means if the baby was born right now, could it survive without the mother? Because that means it's just independent. It's its own person, okay? So we can't do an abortion in a, in a, a third trimester because... If that baby was born today, it would live on its own without the mom. So it mm-hmm. has its own rights now. So we talked about viability of fetus, but the problem with the abortion industry, and I will call it that because they make mo- people make money to do abortions. It is an industry. Um, when babies started surviving, pre- preemie babies earlier and earlier and earlier, when people started to have lawsuits over frozen embryos that like you and I decide we want to have babies mm-hmm. and we freeze the embryos and then we have to do in vitro fertilization, what happens if you and I split up and now there's these fertilized embryos? Are they your future children, my future children? There have been custody battles over frozen embryos. So therefore, if you say that even at that stage that there's something there that's unique, then how can you say that it's not? I mean, all I'm saying is we haven't had any of these scientific discussions that have nothing to do with religion. Well, and that's the right. issue that there, you can't discuss the science because the, the movement that made this bill... There's just, there's no there's no uh, buffer area. There's no, right. there's no negotiating. Right. No. Like once it's noticeable, this is God's plan, and yeah. any type of reason about you yeah. know when it starts, th- that doesn't matter. Well, and again, it I just started, feel like there is no room for this debate or discussion at all. How can you tell literally anyone who is pregnant what they should do? If you really cared about lives, there are plenty of children being abused or neglected. Like right. Why are we even having this conversation about whether we should be taking a choice away from somebody else because maybe the fetus that's inside of them could be a life, might not be life? Like, why are we even having but this discussion? But women shouldn't have the argument over whether a baby is alive or not alive based on their rights. Your rights doesn't have anything to do with the determination of whether someone is alive or not. Just like what he was saying about somebody who is in a vegetative state. We have to, as a society, determine if that person is alive or not alive. What rights does that person have or not have? Right, Independent I of that. you. If I someone just, goes into a hospital room and a gave, person is in a coma and you sexually assault that person, they still have the right to not be sexually assaulted by you. So they do have some rights even though they're in that state. But we give the right to choose what happens to them to their closest loved one, though, which would be the mother in the situation. True enough. Well, and we make fathers pay child support, but yet they have no say in whether their own child could be born. Mm-hmm. So if a woman says, you know, I want to have this baby, and the man says, well, I don't want to have it, so I want you to abort it. She says, well, I don't want to abort it. I'm going to choose to have the baby, but you have to pay for it. Yeah, the they, should, they should that's be able to sign off. But flip right. What if the man wants to have the child, and the woman says, well, I don't want the baby. I'm going to abort it. And he says, but I'll take full responsibility to raise it and care for it, but I don't want you to kill my child. He has no rights. But that that'd be forced. That's, that's, that's her body still, and that's, it's forcing her to do something, um, taking control of the autonomy of her, her her body that 
that shouldn't happen in society. It's, I mean, it's, it's a very complicated yeah. situation. Yeah, but but the whole idea that although I don't disagree that if a man says I want you to have an abortion and she chooses not to, that he can be like, all right, well then I'm signing my rights away. Right. Don't that that's that's what they do. There's some countries where they do I mean, that. that. Like if the allowed. woman says it's 100% my realm of responsibility, then the man doesn't have to support that baby because right. he didn't decide right. that he no, wanted to have it No, but if you want any kind of visitation or rights, then yeah, you absolutely have to Absolutely. to pay your portion like but fetuses i call fetuses maybe babies maybe babies. Yeah. that was horrible i'm sorry i've been trying the joke out like eh, i call them maybe babies well, that's better than thing. one of my friends called the the baby before it's born is a parasite of the mother and i'm I like have, that, that is horrible that is a horrible thing to say but anyway we got off topic and i just want to say that in re- reference to uh 9-11 biden signs executive order ordering the declassification of 9-11 documents Today? Let's see if that shit happens. A distraction, that maybe? I don't know. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. Because the about. families of 9-11 victims went to Trump and said, we want to know who right. who these Saudi Arabian people were that funded the terrorists of 9-11 because they want to sue them people. Right. That's what the families of 9-11 victims were. They want to be able to sue them. a great way to save face and get the public back on your and, side. There you go. And Trump was like, oh, absolutely. And then the people were like, Psh, well, Mr. President, you can't really do that. You can't fucking yeah. do that. You can't fucking do that. And then he was like, oh, I can't do it. So... Just like he said about the JFK documents, and then that was like, hold up, we got to. So he kind of like they released. I thought some, there was some kind of agreement with that though. Like they had to sign non-disclosure yeah. agreements, and he gave them the information, but they weren't allowed to talk to the public about it. Wasn't that the whole thing? Oh, that's, weird. that's, that's possible. I don't. Don't quote me on that, but I but thought I, I remember that. But I know that they've that. been trying. The families have been trying to sue Saudi Arabia, the people that funded it, since Obama. Yeah. And they couldn't get the name. So if Biden gives them the name, maybe that shows that. Trump did a whammy on him with this Afghanistan thing, and he's like, "Yeah, possibly." Okay, well, I mean, I guess uh, on an ending note, the only other thing I wanted to bring up, I'm going to save the uh, 3.5 trillion dollar infrastructure bill. We'll probably talk about that next week. Other than, I just want to say, "Fuck Joe Manchin." I'm so sick of him. I'm so sick of him. He pretends like he's so much more important than he is. Like, oh, maybe we'll just take a pause. Fuck your pause, Joe Manchin. Yeah. So sick of it. But anyway, I wanted to end on what, I, what I'm now uh, dubbing the Walker, Texas psycho, who is Herschel Walker, because he was posting about how he got his endorsement from Trump today. And I just, I just can't, I don't know. But then, you, you know, you click on it and you read the comments and there's all these people just like praising him like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, we're literally talking about the guy who held a gun to his wife's temple. She's traumatized on the news talking about it. And it's He's not got, an accusation because no, he wrote no. a book about the yeah, shit he wrote that he a did book himself. About it. And and you know, describes in part of the book how somebody made a late delivery to his house for a car or something, and how he I mean, he vividly describes in the book how he pictured putting a bullet in their head and watching their brains explode out the back like a fourth of July firework, is how he described it. Mm-hmm. This guy is running for Senate, and Donald Trump's like, Hell yeah, we love this shit. Yeah. Like, this is a Republican Party. This yeah. is really what it is at this point. It, I, I don't know how. I just, I can't it's get it. I'm American like, I, I'm so sick, Taliban. I am so sick of seeing pictures of Biden sniffing people's hair and he, hearing Republicans talk about this shit. Because I'm just like, are you even looking? Are you even looking at the shit your, your guy's signing off on? Yeah. Like, this is documented. These aren't accusations like, oh, he stalked a woman. It's an accusation. No, there's like documented shit. Like, police reports. Like, you can't. Yeah. It's not fabricated. And the dude, like, doesn't even deny it. Which pisses me off even more that he's like, well, I have a mental illness. Like, yeah, fuck you, dude. He's trying to destigmatize. Do you know? Yeah, destigmatize. <laughs> fuck you. you know no, he's people, trying to normalize it. You know how many people with mental illnesses? And, and it pisses me off because I'm like, no, you are stigmatizing it. 
Because, you know, people think all the time, especially schizophrenics, oh, there must be dangerous violence. No, most schizophrenics are nonviolent. Most people who are mentally ill aren't violent. Maybe self to themselves, but they're not a fucking danger to the general public like people make. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you're breaking the stigma. Well, what you're doing is making other people think that if you have a mental illness, you're dangerous, mm-hmm. which is fucking bullshit. Sometimes they are, but like, bro, you're not fucking destigmatizing anything. Fuck that guy. Yeah. I, just, I don't know. So that was my rant for today on top of all the other fucking nonsense. But do you guys have any closings you don't have any rants all this shit going on you ain't got nothing that you're just like wow this really pisses me off i feel like i said it all oh okay (laughs) i'm I'm a numbers and facts person i'm not i mean i'll get on a rant sometimes but today was numbers and facts i'm just happy to be here (laughs) (laughs) all right well um thank you guys for being here thanks jermaine uh, for coming back yeah, I'm flattered. Anytime we you love ask it. me, well, I, we just, we're just this is Jermaine, Jermaine's become like literally a co-host of the yes. show. I'm super flattered anytime. <laughs> it's like adds a whole new dimension when you're. I get there. so excited. Yeah, the only other thing is I've been following this guy uh, that runs the, the I think his name's John Russell. He runs the Holler Ohio Valley pages, like, and he does all these funny videos. But he's also been doing a lot of breakdowns of why we should tax the rich. And I was like, wow, here I am simping for this dude online like i never thought it would be me but here i am because he's like making charts about how much money like here's jeff bezos up here Mm -hmm. and like here's mike bloomberg and i'm like i'm all here for this so if you guys like our show you probably like his because it's really funny we'll have him come on um, we'll see i mean i think he lives locally so maybe it could happen but uh but anyway this is juke signing off and this is mick signing off